1: Your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Today, we get you another Joe Burrow update. How is the offense looking as they continue to be relatively consistent on that side of the ball the last few days of practice, finding some success today in the two-minute drill. There are still some concerns that we'll continue to have to talk about until we see it turn around on the interior of that offensive line. And on the defensive side of the ball, a few standouts continue to emerge. Trey Waynes has been back at practice. We'll have an update on how he's been performing. Larry Ogunjobi in his second practice of the entire preseason program continues to flash some very positive early returns. So let's get started with the Joe Burrow news. He talked to the NFL network guys today after the Bengals practice. It sounds like he's a little bit annoyed with the idea that he's continued to struggle correcting that idea as we did yesterday on the podcast saying, Hey, look, you guys got to stop talking about him having all these issues. I've had four good practices, three good practices in a row, whatever it is. And I was a little bit amused that he chose to point that out to his interviewers on the NFL
3: Network show. And the, the thing about that is, is like four days of practice in camp, especially, is an eternity. Like Saturday was the day he talked about it. And then he went out there and just bawled out, right? He talked about kind of being uneasy in the pocket still and, and just kind of uh, seeing everything around him. Well, that was forever ago. Uh, in in what they're doing and the the amount of hours they've put in. And so, yeah, it was good to see him string together a fourth straight practice now where he looked comfortable. Was everything perfect? No. Is the offense firing on all cylinders? No. But does Joe Burrow look like you want Joe Burrow to look from a pocket presence standpoint, from an eyes downfield standpoint? I think he's getting closer to that point. And I also like, like you said, the fact that he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder now and even mentioned because they were like uh, I think it was James Jones all oh, the defense has uh, had some success against you guys early in camp and Joe said oh now th- that's changed the past few days now and, and he he interrupted to say that so the, the competitive fire here I think that's making him better and vice versa it's going to make this defense better as well
2: I love the competitive fire That's part of what makes Joe Burrow Joe Burrow and Dan Horde had the stats on him. He had him at 12 of 18, which included a spike. So you take out the spike, 12 of 17 in the team period today, led the successful two-minute drive that I mentioned. Jamar Chase also talked to the media today and mentioned some mental hurdles, let's say, that he didn't anticipate that he would have coming To the NFL, he thought that after a year off, he would just hit the ground running because he was doing the work to stay in shape and continue to work on his craft and all of this. But you pointed out, James, that he's been moving all over the field in Bengals practices. Mm -hmm. So he's playing in the slot. He's playing both of the outside wide receiver positions, both on and off the line of scrimmage. And in his presser today, he mentioned that his quickness and by that he meant his mental quickness has taken some time to round into form. He's very frustrated, I think, by the drops. He's called them easy drops. You see him putting in that extra work. And you hope that the mental quickness picks up pretty quick here as things start to get a little bit more real in preseason games.
3: For sure. And I think it's probably all tied together because uh, let's look at Chase, right? The drops part. Well, you looked it up the other day, five drops at LSU, not a huge issue, right? It's not like he has tiny hands or something like that. So that's not the issue. It's probably because he's thinking and the mental part of it, when he's like, all right, do I cut here? Or do I cut there while he's digesting the playbook? I mean, they've all praised him for his football intelligence, Burrow, Taylor, Callahan. So I don't doubt that he's just still thinking about it. It isn't second nature yet. And the fact that they are willing to move him all around, it bodes well for his usage long-term, but right now it can look a little clunky. It can look a little uneven. And the, the thing I would say about Chase, that really impressed me and it has impressed me throughout this it, really entire time. But especially when he's talking uh, to, to us media members, he doesn't look worried or rattled. He's willing to admit a drop like when, the deep ball a couple of weeks ago now where he just crushes Chidobe Awuzie for the second time in practice. And he's open and Burrow puts it on him. Two days later, he referred to it as a drop. It's not like he's hiding the fact or running from it. He knows he's got to get adjusted and be better, and he's determined to do so. So when you have someone who's 21 years old and determined to be the best he can be and is working hard to do that and has all the physical gifts and all that, we've talked plenty about Jamar, then I think he's going to succeed, and you hope that that starts when uh, things start to count on September 12th against the Vikings. Yeah, we'll
2: see if the theory that somebody espoused in our YouTube comments that he's a gamer and in the games, Mm -hmm. he'll turn it on. We'll see if that turns out to be true in just a few days. And obviously something we'll be watching for. For me, what it is with Chase is, you know, he talked about it, holding himself accountable with the pushups, just something they're doing in the wide receiver room, it sounds like. But he talked about it as, as keeping himself accountable. That's recognizing it in the moment. Like this is an easy mistake that shouldn't happen and now I'm going to do push-ups about it. Or the consistent work staying after working with the jugs machine, that's dedication to continuing to try to improve. And the other thing that I want to mention here is the Bengals are blessed at wide receiver right now. With T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, in addition to Jamar Chase, if Jamar has a learning curve, which rookies often do, the Bengals are okay because T. Higgins has looked absolutely fantastic. I mentioned this yesterday. Maybe he's the number one wide receiver this year while Jamar refines his craft a little bit. And maybe he has uh, a C.D. Lamb trajectory or maybe in a year we're talking about Jamar the way we're talking about T right now. And it's a very similar path to a little bit of adjustment. Then things start to click. And then later in the year, there's this three headed beast we've all imagined because Tyler Boyd, the other guy, very solid at practice today, continues to be one of the best slot receivers in the league. So it's not like if Jamar has a little bit of a learning curve, it's the end of the world because he is a long-term asset to this football team. So really good stuff, I think coming in the future at wide receiver, even if Jamar Chase is having some training camp issues, and we'll see how those persist. There's still a lot of time between now and the regular season. And the other thing that we're watching closely, James, and continue to watch closely is that interior offensive line where we feel pretty good about Jonah Williams and Riley Reef at the tackles, but there can, seems to be continued pressure. And you posted a picture today of Trey Hendrickson being back at practice and our old friend Joe Goodberry in your replies is like, what about this guy up the middle? Who's blocking him? Yeah. Why is he running free of Joe Burrow? Why does that keep happening? And despite Fred Johnson being back at practice today, he's bolstering tackle depth. There's still concerns about the interior at this point in the preseason, and we're really a broken record about it at this point.
3: Yeah, it, it's a broken record. Yeah, all day, and it's every every day at camp we have the same discussions. And part of it is Trey Hopkins isn't in there full go all the way yet, even though he's cleared, and that's part of it at the same time your second round pick in jackson carmen looks awful like he almost seems like he's regressing at this point he he was doing uh this one offensive line drill and i posted it at all bangles where it's not like he was two hand punching but basically that's how i would describe it you basically stick the the offensive lineman, and and it's just a drill to basically get your hands moving and, and and really testing your explosiveness And all these offensive linemen go through it, including Michael Jordan, including Deontay Smith, and they look pretty mobile. You're know, you shuffling your feet, you're staying low, and you're uh, pushing through on each guy that's in front of you. And it just – that alone looked rough. Uh, He didn't look good in one-on-ones, only had a couple of reps there and was repping with the third team. So we'll see with Carmen. But you can't bank on that. And the other thing you can't bank on is Xavier Suofila, who also struggled today – And I I do wonder about him after today because he got beat up a decent amount and uh, we can get to the the defensive line in a second. But yeah, Xavier Suofilo, uh, they're not cutting Jackson Carmen, So Xavier Suofilo is going to have to put together a a couple good preseason games, I think, or or he could be potentially, potentially on the chopping block after what I saw today.
2: And maybe that's why it's Mike Jordan, currently number one on that right guard depth chart, which... (sighs) Is a little scary right now, but let's talk about some of the positives on the defensive side of the ball in the trenches at corner. We'll go there in addition to one really good standout offensive play coming
3: up next. Today's episode brought to you by Rock Auto and rockauto.com. Look, with the ever-increasing number of different car makes manufacturers, it's tough to locate the parts you need. For your vehicle but you can do so in one place from the comfort of your own home at rockauto.com not only do you save money and time with rockauto.com but it's just so convenient i've used them you should too and it could be something as simple as car filters or, or air filters for your car or something as serious as a fuel pump they have it all and it doesn't matter if you drive a daewoo a toyota a chevy corvette you should give them a try at rockauto.com. So go there now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and be sure to write Locked On in there. How did you hear about us, Box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com.
1: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.
2: James, a uh, really positive return for Trey Wayne's, who missed a few days with an injury. There were some concerns about the narrative that might emerge around that after he missed his entire first season with the Bengals, but it sounds like he's come back really strong. Your words, he's balling out there. What have you seen from Trey Wayne's after he's
3: returned to practice? He he looks great, and I thought he looked good early on before he got dinged up, but he got dinged up so quick that you don't want to crown him yet, especially how early it was in camp. But he's come back. He looks fast, explosive. Uh, Jamar Chase, he's really pushing Jamar Chase, which I think is good. Uh, And Jamar Chase had a catch against him in 11s today, and it was a contested catch. Or no, it was seven on sevens. I take that back. It was seven on seven because I could film it. And I I did. I got the video of it. And it's just a slant. But Waynes was all over him. Wasn't fooled at all. Got his hand in there in Chase. And this is why I, I, you might not worry as much about the drop issues, his strong hand, almost odd and Tate-like, was able to snatch the ball out of the air, make sure that he held onto it, and it was more of a bullet than anything. And Wayne's tried to rip him, and there was someone else that tried to rip the ball out, and, and, and Chase did not <laughs> did not give up the ball, ultimately fell to the ground. And so to me, if that's like the one catch, I remember Wayne's giving up, and he's given up others probably, but, but they're not many. They're far and few between um there are few and far between would be how I would say that but it's uh it's a good sign for Waynes and I think maybe we just had so low of expectations for him after kind of being down on the money he got and then he was injured I'm not going to say he's you know CB1 I think they're just a bunch of you know CB1As on this team or twos or whatever you want to say but he looks really good there's no doubt about it
2: and just like We'll talk about with David Harrison in a few minutes, the challenge the Bengals have coming to town from a Tampa defensive front perspective. These corners will be challenged by the wide receivers in Tampa as well, as David tells us. And you'll just have to wait and find out how many of these starters are expected to play for Tampa and what kind of challenge that might present to this Bengals team. Now, not only Trey Wayne standing out, Larry Ogunjobi's had two practices now in pads with the Bengals and today was described as a Geno Atkins-esque game wrecker on some plays, which moving back to three tech bodes very well for Ogunjobi. He was a guy that I wasn't too sure would be an adequate replacement at three tech. And there's still a lot of time left to find out if he will be you know, that solid interior pass rushing presence that this team needs to go along with Trey Hendrickson, Joseph Osai, Sam Hubbard, etc. on the outside. But having those kinds of reps is encouraging as he moves back to playing a little bit more three tech in Cincinnati, probably a lot more three tech in Cincinnati, which is what Geno Atkins did for the Bengals. than he played in Cleveland, where he was more of a nose tackle. And on the other hand, it kind of fits right with the earlier discussion we had about the interior offensive line woes so not really sure which side of this to take I'm choosing to to linger on the positive here which is that Larry Ogunjobi has shown some really good things we haven't heard about these kind of explosive destructive plays on the interior before Larry Ogunjobi returned to practice so I'm taking this to be a good sign that Larry Ogunjobi will provide something in terms of that interior pass rush.
3: For sure, and and I think that's absolutely the case. Because look, you're right. Michael Jordan yesterday, he he just blows through him and would have gotten an easy sack. Today goes through Xavier Suafilo. At the same time, that's what really really good players. That's what you would expect them to do, right? Is have success in those scenarios. And to your point, it's not like we were seeing a ton of that before he came back to practice. So one the fact that he's flashing even a little bit this quick coming off of an injury. I love it. And it might just be the fit. And that now that he doesn't have to move around like he did in Cleveland, this might be his time to shine. He signed a one-year deal. Hopefully he goes out and has a career year. That would be really ideal. Wouldn't it for the Bengals as they uh, look to, to bolster and be much better in the trenches. So uh, I've been really impressed with him. And then obviously pressure in general, has been an issue for this Bengals team. Hendrickson was back at practice, like you mentioned. But the thing I noticed, and it was our first time really seeing this on Wednesday, first time of camp, Mike Hilton blitzing. Mm. And it was obvious. And he came off the edge. And honestly, he would have crushed Joe Burrow. Free runner. No one knew he was coming. Burrow's back was turned to him. I mean, and I don't know, probably just it wasn't something they were aware of at all, including Burrow. So that was one. And then another one, and Burrow got this out. It was fourth and short, I believe. It was either third and short or fourth and short. Burrow in the shotgun. Trey Wayne's one side. Mike Hilton the other side. Both come on the, off the edge blitzing. And they got close to Burrow. And he lobbed it up to, to Trent Taylor. Taylor made this dry, uh, diving catch at the pylon, or at the, right at the first down marker, excuse me, uh, to get the first down. I don't think it would have been a sack. But Burrow would have gotten hammered. And again, let's look at the positive part of this. Mike Hilton, a big reason why he was signed is because he's a damn good blitzing corner. We don't really know what to make of Trey Waynes. But what we do know is that Lou Anarumo needs to somehow generate more pressure. And for the first time on Wednesday throughout camp, we haven't seen this, but on Wednesday, we saw him bring those guys off the edge and it was successful.
2: The corner blitzes, that's going to be part of the game. And there's not really even a negative there. Like if corners come, they're often not going to be accounted for. And if Burrow sees it in time and gets a throw away and gets a first down, everybody wins, except maybe those corners need to get there a little bit faster, right? Maybe that jump needs to be a little bit better. If you want to be critical of the defense there, if you're saying that they didn't get there in time. But I I would call that a good sign for Burrow, the comfortability to stand in there, make a throw, accurate downfield, and good for Trent Taylor to convert on the other end of it. Speaking of diving catches, how about that Brandon Allen play to Chris Evans? A few minor notes here before we get to that crossover discussion with David Harrison coming up in a few minutes, Chris Evans, a beautiful sideline catch. And when you talk about him looking natural as a receiver, I imagine that this being the first highlight I've really seen of Evans is what you're talking about.
3: No doubt. I mean, just the way he tracked the ball, you know, he, he, beat, he obviously gets separation but he tracks it, doesn't lose it, makes a great catch, gets hit while he does it, holds on to the ball. Just a great play, and that's that's the potential I see in him. And while we're on the topic of diving catches, I forgot about this. I tweeted about it, but forgot about it in our pre-show notes. Thad Moss with a little Moss effect, a diving catch up the seam, and uh, Jermaine Pratt – or not Jermaine Pratt, excuse me, Akeem Davis-Gaither was draped on him. Brandon Allen made a great throw, and Moss – Go for it. Definitely his best highlight in training camp thus far. So two really good diving catches from two young players that uh, Bengals fans I think are familiar with, especially if you listen to this podcast, but two guys fighting to make the roster. Great shout
2: out to Thaddeus Moss there. I would say that right now it appears that he's a favorite for that third tight end spot. And I was a little skeptical when they signed him. I know they were interested in him as a college free agent last year before he went to Washington, but I thought that he would have a really tough battle and sounds like he's making the most of his opportunity, really leaning on that connection with Joe Burrow. Last quick update of the segment, Von Bell, another day, another play on the ball. Just something to note, he continues to be very productive in coverage, which is a great sign for him. And Austin Seibert had very similar field goal or attempt array as did Evan McPherson yesterday. He hit all six. So if you need a kicker, I'm talking to you, Vikings and Saints. Give me a call. Coming up next, we talk to David Harrison from Locked On Bucks about his perspective on what to expect from some things going into preseason week
3: one. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season in full swing, and the NFL almost here. Whether it's prop bets, preseason games, you can bet on it all. Maybe you're a Reds fan and you think they're going to make a run. You can do that too in one spot. BetOnline.ag. So go there now and you can sign up on your laptop or your mobile device and get in on the action. Get off the sidelines. You're watching the games anyway. You might as well make a little money while you do it. So go to betonline.ag right now. Check out all of the different ways you could benefit. And when you sign up, make sure you use promo code LOCKEDON. You're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. It's that simple. BetOnline.ag, promo code On, free money, a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.
1: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.
2: We're now joined by David Harrison from Locked On Bucks to discuss the Bengals' first preseason opponent, the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And for Bengals fans, kind of exciting to play the Super Bowl champs in week one of the preseason. And the first question really is just how much of that Super Bowl winning roster, which comes back almost entirely intact, is actually expected to play. Against the Cincinnati Bengals in preseason week one.
0: Uh, I mean, really, guys. I, the the only player I wouldn't fully expect to play at all is is probably going to be Jordan Whitehead. They're, they're strong safeties. He's been banged up during training camp. He's been held out of some practices, so uh, I probably wouldn't expect him to play. I mean, a lot of you know uh, a lot of speculation is going to be surrounding Tom Brady, and obviously with with his age and and obviously with the veteran experience, it it wouldn't be totally out of the question for the Buccaneers to not throw him out there, but. At the same time, Bruce Arians just talked about how this offense had the worst practice they've had in three years of Bruce Arians being there. So there may be some inspiration for him to put them out there and and shake off the Super Bowl rust or or whatever is there. And uh, the the last word we got, you know, as of this recording was uh, he's playing his guys. That's that's kind of the way that it was said. Um, You know, what actually happens on game day is, is you guys know how coaches are. And sometimes what they say isn't the full truth. So. Uh, as of right now, we don't have 100% confirmation on who's going to play, who's not going to play. But the only one I would probably predict right now absolutely not playing is Jordan Whitehead.
3: It, it seems like, David, from a thousand-foot view, and I'm. Mm-hmm. it's not like I have my thumb on the, the beat of Bucks camp, but the offense in general, it hasn't just been a one-day thing. They've struggled for most of camp, and it seems like there's a sense of urgency from Bruce Arians that I'm not used to seeing. Usually he's kind of joking around and stuff. But him and Brady, I'm used to Brady doing it and losing his mind, right? Because that's the standard. But it seems like Arians is doing the same. Have you noticed that?
0: Uh, I mean, he gets a little intense during training camp. You know, obviously last year uh, we got we missed out on a lot of that because of COVID and no preseason games and all that. But going back to his first year uh, as the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he was similarly intense, uh, similarly critical when players need to be criticized. But he has said that, you know, this training camp for some reason, every time they come back from a day off, the offense just seems to sputter and, and kind of run in place. And so that is absolutely worrisome. You know, in the sense that you want these guys coming out ready to fire off their best game, you know, every day of practice. But, again, you you kind of, you know, the the whole grain of salt mentality. You know, now if they come out against Cincinnati uh, and the starters, you know, lay an egg, then I think, you know, that the concern, uh, quote unquote, will kind of grow a little bit. Uh, But as of right now, it's more just kind of being taken as, you know, the grind of everything, the monotony of everything. And it is the same unit. So it's not even... Uh, like these starters are necessarily coming in, having to get used to each other. They already know each other, so you can kind of excuse kind of the human behavior of, of you know repetitive uh, practices and stuff. But at the same time, they're professionals, they're veterans, they're the greatest of all time. You you would like them and expect them to come out and kind of uh, have that fire in their belly a little bit.
2: What has the reaction been from Bucks fans? Because. You've probably seen the reports. I feel like these went pretty viral. Maybe you haven't seen this. Paul Daner Jr. reports on the Bengals for the Athletic. We've talked about them on the Locked on Bengals podcast quite a bit because there have been two reports about Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow specifically that went viral. One of them was Joe Burrow's not stepping into his throws. He picked up his plant leg in anticipation of being hit. That was a few days ago. Went crazy. The other one was Jamar Chase isn't separating. That one goes right. viral. Don't draft Jamar chase and fantasy football as a reaction. Generally speaking, there's been a lot of overreaction to the Bengals offense not performing in Bengals camp. Is in Tampa there a similar vibe or has it been more? We're the Super Bowl champions. Our defense just knows what's going on or is there more palpable concern?
0: I don't think the concern is, is rising to any serious type of levels right now because uh, while while there are you know the comments of Bruce Arians coming out and saying they have you know again their worst practice in three years which goes back to the Jameis Winston days so obviously that adds a little bit of a layer uh, to some concerns because Jameis you know Jameis has good days and bad days of course uh, but when you're when you're talking about Tom Brady the goat in that offense you don't expect to hear them having worse practices than the non playoff contender Jameis Winston offense uh, was having. But at the same time, you're still hearing a lot of glowing remarks. Guys like Antonio Brown uh, are coming in, and you know he's saying all the right things in the press conferences, which is which is great. Um, right now, you know he, he doesn't have any trouble looming over his head, you know, threatening his season. And he's he's coming out, but he's 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 matching the intensity on the field with his words in the press conferences, and he's tutoring a guy like Jalen Darden, you know, late round rookie, uh, trying to make the roster, and and doing a lot of those good things. And then you kind of see the running backs coming in and trying to get involved and working together. There's a deep com- competition there. You also see the camaraderie there. So I mean, it, the the concern level isn't. I wouldn't say real. I would say you know on a ten scale, it's probably a three. You know, people are aware of it. People are are tracking the comments. Uh, but again, once they come out Saturday, you know, if the if the starters look like starters on Saturday, it'll completely disappear. Because Bruce, uh, he he is known for for being hard on his guys and being openly hard on his guys.
3: David, you mentioned the running backs. I gotta yes. ask about our guy Giovanni Bernard, no. a guy. That We've uh, watched since 2013, someone that all of our listeners love and adore. I I thought it was a perfect fit, Mm -hmm. him going to Tampa Bay. How has that been, him uh, going there with Tom Brady? Because at least on paper, I think it's a a match made in heaven.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's what you expect. And, and the, the first thing he did was show up to OTAs, show up to voluntary workouts uh, and, you know, not even working. I mean, he was working out with Tom Brady on the side, and then he was showing up to OTAs and working out with the backups and Kyle Trask and all that stuff, just soaking in as much of the scheme, the language, the coaching, uh, getting to know as many of his teammates as he could. And that, that shows that veteran leadership. Uh, I'll be honest with you guys, the, the favorite veteran addition uh, speculated for the Buccaneers in the running back room was James White all off season. I think for obvious reasons uh, that connection there with Brady. But when it turned out to be Gio, I mean nobody was upset. Like Gio, you know Gio Bernard is he's nobody's consolation prize. I think a lot of people are excited about what he brings to the field. Um, the the only the only negative, I guess if you want to call it that surrounding him, is really only going to matter to fantasy football players because the the, the roster is not going to care. The players aren't going to care. Uh, but he's expected to come fill the Lashawn McCoy role. Problem is LaShawn McCoy had 25 touches all year. We definitely expect Gio Bernard to have more than 25 touches in 2021. So that 25 plus is going to eat into touches for guys like Leonard Fournette, like Ronald Jones, which, you know, the Bucs aren't going to care. If they have, you know, five running backs getting touches in a game. As long as they win, they're going to be happy. It's just, it's fantasy football guys. They're going to be worried about it. But I'm excited to see what Gio uh can do in this first preseason game, but more so as we get into the season.
2: Man, just looking at that running backs room. You got first round pick Leonard Furnett, second round pick Ronald Jones, second round pick Giovanni Bernard, third round pick Keyshawn Vaughn, <laughs> CJ Procis has had his share of NFL success. I mean, there's yeah. five running backs there that I actually know. And yep. I guarantee you, you look at the Bengals depth chart, you might know three of them uh, yeah. if you're a Tampa Bay fan watching this. So that's a, a very interesting bit of depth. And generally speaking, this roster looks very deep. I'm excited for this test for the Cincinnati Bengals in week one of the preseason Obviously, the entire roster is strong coming off of a Super Bowl win and lauded for being very complete. What would you say right now appears to be the strength of this team coming out of training camp that Bengals fans could be looking at and saying this is a really good challenge in preseason game one?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the the low hanging fruit obviously is going to be Tom Brady and what he brings to the field. But everybody knows that already. Uh, I think it's pass rush, you know, Vita Vea. Uh, came back during the playoff run. He's healthy, and Donovan Sue is back. William Golston, very underrated part of that defensive line, is back. Uh, they have you know Shack, JPP, obviously are there. The linebackers inside that everybody knows about, but also Joe Tryon. I mean, Joe Tryon uh, has been giving Donovan Smith and Tristan Wirfs—I so don't want to say fits—but he's been he's been whooping their butt a little bit in training camp, and that's pretty impressive considering you know Tristan Wirfs alone is a guy who faced some of the league's top pass rushers uh, last season and shut most of them down uh, for the most part. So I mean, the fact that he's getting in. Uh, you know what would be sacks obviously not sacking in training camp but what would be sacks very excited to see what he's going to do on the field and I think that is uh, really that's kind of the, the focal point uh, for this Buccaneers defense this year
2: and for Bengals fans that are anxious about the offensive line well we'll find out if that anxiety continues into <laughs> a performance against this tough defensive front from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in preseason game one or if it's some of it maybe is alleviated with a strong performance. Only time will tell how these guys show up and perform. David, thanks so much for some insight into the Tampa Bay Bucks in this early part of the season. Bengals fans listening, you can find him on Twitter at dharrison82 if you're interested in following along for all things Bucks and James Rapine's favorite player of all time, Tom Brady. David, thanks again for coming on.
0: Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.
2: That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We're back tomorrow with a preview of preseason game one, all the things that James and I will be watching for. Until then, Bengals fans, day, and have a good one.
1: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.